0: But I love a good walk. Uh, Only 50% of our household agree with me. But you know, I love a good walk. And going to the Peak District on a day off is wonderful. Actually, one of the big things we noticed when we moved from Birmingham to Manchester about 11 years ago uh, was that you could, there were the hills nearby, Birmingham, you had to drive into Wales to find a hill. Um, but in, I remember standing on the train station in Levenshum and then looking across uh, behind me and seeing, oh actually I can see the Peak District from the middle of Manchester, it's uh, incredible. So we love to go somewhere unexplored, somewhere beautiful and um, just to have a decent walk. And this summer we were um, able to go on holiday. And so we got to walk the Yorkshire Dales, Northumberlands, the Peak District, Snowdon, and some of Scotland as well uh, and it was brilliant really enjoyed it but walking isn't actually that simple now you might think Tim is you put one foot in front of t'other, and you just walk now if you're going to walk to the shop or the bus stop or something you do every day then you could walk and be looking at your phone at the same time not concentrating very easy but if you're going out somewhere you've not been before you're going on a bit of a route march a hike whatever you want to call it actually it's easy to get lost It's easy for things not to go quite as you had hoped if you're not concentrating on your map. uh, It's quite easy to find yourself somewhere you don't intend to be, which um, has happened to us on a number of occasions. Or the weather can change, especially if you're a bit higher up. A change in weather can be quite dramatic. Uh, It can be unpredicted as well and suddenly your situation can veer slightly to being dangerous uh, as well um, so I always like it when I'm walking with someone who knows where they're going um, so when we go to Northumberland my aunt lives up there she's lived up there nearly 40 years now and a uh, very experienced walker and she's done all of the walks uh, within probably about 10 to 15 miles kind of radius square radius of her house uh, and when we walk with her you just kind of relax a bit you think oh well she's done this walk about a billion times it's really no problem at all Uh, and today I want us to think about walking and think about our walk our walk with Jesus now you might think well this again walking is simple Tim this is very obvious and perhaps you are right but the church in Colossae was experiencing some difficulty because Paul was writing to them uh, and was concerned for them Uh, he was concerned that they would go off in the wrong direction perhaps that they would give up completely or they would start walking with the wrong person or, or you know following uh, the wrong routes on the map following the wrong thing In life, And so we're going to look at that today. We're looking at Colossians 2 um, verses 6 through to 23, which is a big old chunk of Bible. So I'm going to read it kind of bit by bit and we're going to work our way through. And I encourage you, if you've got a Bible, get it out now, open it up in front of you. Um, My preference is paper Bible, because if I'm looking at it on my phone, inevitably, I will flick to BBC Sport. It's, it is inevitable. So I resist that urge by using, I go old school, use paper. That's what I, what I do. So I encourage you. Open your Bibles now. Go to Colossians 2. That was me stalling to give you plenty of time to do it. Now I'm assuming you're ready to go. So let's read from verse 6. We'll just read 6 and 7 to start with. It says, Therefore, as you received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. So Paul wants his readers, uh, his listeners, his the people in this church in Colossae, us today. He wants us to think about walking in Jesus. Okay, so he's saying, look, you're Christians. You've received Jesus. That's what he's saying. You've become believers, followers of him. Jesus is your Lord, he is your savior. You've repented, you've declared this so. So now walk in Jesus. And there's something very active here to start with, isn't there? It's it's not a passive thing to walk. You can't passively walk somewhere. There is activity involved. Being a believer, being a follower of Jesus, a Christian is not club membership. Now recently I was clearing out my office literally a couple of weeks ago and I couldn't tell you why I decided to clear it out after I'd moved house but that's what happens you know this is the way life went so I was clearing out my office and in clearing out the office I found a blockbuster video membership card. That's right. Now, anybody who knows uh, about this sort of thing knows that Blockbuster doesn't really exist anymore. And when I found this this card, and because I hate tidying, I thought, okay, I'm going to do some research on Blockbuster now. Important stuff. uh, And discovered that actually Blockbuster does still exist. They have one shop left somewhere in deepest, darkest America. So actually, I thought, I wonder if I got all the way to America and I turned up there with my video card, whether it would still work. They still have my data. They still have my information. I could go and rent a video. I don't have to buy a video player, but there you get my point. Membership actually is passive, isn't it? Proved by the fact I could leave this thing in a drawer for years and never pay any attention to it. It's passive. They have my data, I'm in the club, but it absolutely made no difference to me whatsoever. And Paul is pointing to something different, isn't he? He's saying, look, you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord of your life now walk in him but walking is not simple as we've talked about walking can be dangerous and actually there is some danger on this journey there is some difficulty on this journey and Paul is concerned for this church in Colossae he's concerned that they're going to get lost that more than that that they're going to go down the wrong path and someone is going to take them there They're going to be exposed to bad theology, to bad teaching, to uh, the philosophies of the world. And it is going to have a deep effect on their faith, on their maturity, and ultimately on their walk. And so today we're going to just think about walking. We're going to think about who we follow. We're going to think about how we walk and we're going to think about the transformative power of walking. In other words, how does a walk change you? So let's just, about this first who are you following so go to verse 8 you've got your bibles open still in front of you i assume Yeah, go to verse 8 of colossians 2 and it says see to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy or and empty deceit according to human tradition according to the elemental spirits of the world and not according to christ now there is a, a powerful warning here for ordinary Christians like me like you okay from the Apostle Paul perhaps one of the greatest uh, thinkers in 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 the history of the church perhaps also one of the greatest church planters and missionaries and one of the greatest pastors as well he wasn't just a guy in a university actually he walked this out he lived this out in fact the opposite he was writing this from a prison and uh, he is looking at this church at the ordinary Christians and perhaps some of them he knew. He certainly knew uh, um, the leader there uh, and as the leader was with him at certain points, he also uh, may well have encountered that church in different ways and knew some of the people there. Uh, And he's saying to them, look, don't become captive. Don't become captive to philosophy and lies. OK, so what does he mean by that? What does he mean by philosophy and lies? And we can make lots of guesses here, actually, uh, because Paul doesn't say um, don't become captive to philosophy like ABC. These different philosophies you are captive to. It doesn't give us that detail. It doesn't tell us the lies that they are believing, at least not at this point. Uh, and so there's, you know, there's lots that we could read into this uh, and we can make a pretty educated guess about what they were dealing with. And that's not necessarily super helpful. And Paul wants us to take a step back in this. Uh, And that's why he doesn't give us that detail. He says, take a step back, and where do these philosophies and lies come from? This is how we work out what is a lie and what is a worldly philosophy. He talks about does it come from human tradition and the spirit of the world? Okay. Importantly, doesn't come from Jesus. Okay. Is, that's how we are trying to work out what ph- these philosophies and deceits are. So consider this for a moment, okay? We are surrounded by philosophies. Now you might think I'm just a normal person. I don't, I don't know anything about philosophy. I, just, I don't, and and I don't read philosophy. I don't, never done any of those things. I don't think of myself as particularly philosophical. Um, now actually, we are surrounded by it. It is our way of thinking. It's a worldview, some of which is good, some of which is helpful, some of which is not good, some of which is very unhelpful. Some of it is lies, but we are surrounded by them. In fact, we are so used to them, we forget that they are there. So there is a famous story of two fishes going for a swim. All right, these two young fish go out for a swim one morning and as they're swimming along an older fish swims by in the opposite direction and he just says to them morning how's the water and the two young fish keep swimming and then one of them says after a while what's water we have to step back and consider the ways of thinking, the ways of the world that completely surround us, completely kind of permeate and get into us. And we don't even notice that we are there, that, that they are inside us and that they are influencing us. We don't even notice the water that we swim through. And Paul says, are we held captive? And and that come human tradition, he says, so that can come from our family. We might think, well, this is, I behave in this way, or I think this because that is the way I was brought up. Okay, this is the way uh, that my family did things. This is what I was taught. So that's the way I do things. Uh, And we may be able to think about it that clearly, or it may, we may not even notice that that's how we do things. I, I react, I behave in this way because that's how my dad reacts and behaves. Maybe it comes from the media that we consume. Maybe it comes from the social media that we spend time on, or the TV that we read or the newspapers or the or whatever it is. Maybe that consumes us. Actually, we feel the pressure of that. Perhaps it comes from our work colleagues. Perhaps you think, well, all of my work colleagues think this, so I yeah, that feels like that's what I'm thinking. It must be right. That's what I think. Now, all of those things, family, work, media, they can be a good influence as well. We're not saying everything's bad. We're actually saying a lot of those things can uh, be very good influence as well. But we must step back and ask, where does it come from? This way of thinking, this philosophy. And the most important thing, does it come from Jesus? On your walk, who do you follow? And we all like to think in our Western culture, That we are individuals. We make our own path. We decide our own way. Uh, It's not true. It's a lie. We all follow something. We all worship something. Whether we realize it or not, we are worshipers. That's how humans are made to be. We all follow. So who do you follow? What philosophy do you live by? That's what Paul is asking. And then he digs a bit deeper. Okay. so he wants us to think, Okay. well, who do you follow on your walk? But how do you walk? in Jesus okay it's not just a throwaway statement he makes and then you kind of think well how are you supposed to do that He's saying, okay well look this is the philosophy of Jesus here so he starts at the beginning where do you begin and on a walk you get the whole route first right so if we're doing a big walk uh, somewhere new somewhere we haven't been before we did this in Scotland you get buy a brand new map an os map one of the detailed ones you get it right out on the floor work out where you are and you look at the roots and uh, half the fun is pouring over the map and looking at it and you find your start point point. and if you get your start point wrong then the whole walk really does, is not good if you think you're somewhere on the map but you're actually somewhere else uh, chaos follows that's what happens so you get your start point right verse 9 colossians 2 says for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily and you have been filled in him, who is the head of all rule and authority." So you start with Jesus, that's the start point. And the start point is that Jesus is God. It says, for in him, that's Jesus, the whole fullness of deity, all of God dwells bodily. So Jesus was God in body. That's what he's saying, It's the kind of incarnate, the flesh God. He was, that's what he was. And then says, and you have been filled in him, and he is the head of all rule and authority. So that's our start point on the map. On this walk, Jesus is God. He is involved in your life, and he is in charge of everything. That's where the walk begins. So you think, okay, well, what's Jesus' philosophy? Well, first of all, he's God. He wants to get involved in your life and he's in charge of everything that's point a Uh, so where that's how you walk in Jesus that's where you begin second point is that God invites you on this walk okay so let's go to verse 11 and 12 says in him also you were circumcised with a circumcision made without hands by putting off the body of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ and having been buried with him in baptism in which you were also raised with him through faith in the powerful working of God who raised him from the dead. All right, I'm reading this stuff quite quick. And you could do like a dozen sermon series on this whole passage. So, but let's keep plowing forward. OK, so he is saying, OK, look, where do you begin? You begin with Jesus is God. That's how you begin your walk. And But also you've got to realise that God invites you on this walk. Your faith has very, very little to do with you what Paul is saying here I once uh, got to go to corporate hospitality at Old Trafford's. I think it was Man United versus Fiorentina sometime in the mid 90s Gabriel Bastuta was playing for Fiorentina which I mean he was amazing Argentinian that's irrelevant Um, but I got to do that and uh, I was 19 I was wined and dined at a posh restaurant in Deansgate. Uh, Then I was taken in a black cab all the way to Manchester. We got there about a minute before kickoff. We went in a special entrance, not just for normal fans, but for corporate hospitality. Got taken in the special entrance, best seats in the house, really good seats, halfway line, relatively high up so you could see the whole game. Then watched this game of football, completely free, utterly brilliant. I was just... An obnoxious 19 year olds. I was there because of my dad, because of my dad's job. My dad's job, he was a, a client of these people and they wanted to keep him sweet so they treated him and his obnoxious 19 year old son really very well indeed but it was absolutely nothing to do with me. I was invited, I was taken but I had yeah, no involvement in it and Paul talks about being raised from death to life. I don't know if you've noticed, but a dead person really can't do very much. Paul is saying you are taken from being dead into being alive. That has nothing to do with you. And a picture of that is baptism. When you go into the water, you are, in all intents and purposes, in death. When you come out of the water, you are alive. In other words, we are on this walk, this walk with Jesus, this walk in Jesus, because you're invited, because you are taken there. God has put you on this walk. Your holiness, the amount of effort that you put in, the level of your volunteering, whatever it might be, your upbringing, for good or for bad, your cleverness, whether you feel clever or not very clever, your work ethic, whether you work hard or whether you're lazy, none of these things get you on the walk. Jesus invites you to be there. And then finally and just in this bit God gives you the power to walk so where does this walk begin begins with Jesus is God's he wants to be involved in your life and he's in charge of everything he then invites you on the walk then he gives you the power to actually walk verse 13 says you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh God made alive together with him having forgiven us all our trespasses by cancelling the records of debt that stood against us with its legal demands, then he set aside this. He set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them. So when we're brought from being dead to being alive, we are restored to God. Relationship is made. We are put on the walk. The record of our wrongs, the things that we have done, are deleted, are cancelled. And not only that, Jesus also defeats death and evil in the world, all of that in his death and resurrection. Okay, so it's a kind of a double hit as Paul's talking about at the moment. All of the things that we have done wrong individually, that's all cancelled and dealt with in Jesus' death. But also he defeated evil. He put them to open shame. The rulers of this world he defeated. God gives us the power to walk. And it's very simple, um, but very important to faith, actually, because it's quite easy to get caught up in the activity of faith, isn't it? To, for all the things we have to do. Or it's quite easy to feel rotten that we don't do enough activity in faith, whatever it might be. Now, those, the things that we do, it's all good, so we're not slagging off, don't do stuff, and we, all this stuff is rubbish. We're not saying don't do things. We're just saying, look, uh, these, these things don't save you. And we remember big picture first. God invites us on the walk. He gives us power to walk. Without Jesus, there is no walk. There is no faith in him. And again, you might think, well, Tim, this is simple. This is, you know, kind of Sunday school stuff. Uh, Actually, this is our foundation. This is the key to maturity in Jesus. This is key to boldness in our faith. This is key to trusting in God when life is difficult. If we remember this, then it changes so many things, actually. And it's easy perhaps to think about it in terms of someone else. Okay, so imagine another Christian that you know, okay just another one and they're doing great flying in their faith they're just doing well in life when they uh, talk to a non-christian they seem to become a christian when they pray for someone that person seems to get better when they pray for something it seems to happen we, everybody knows someone like that and you just think what on earth? how what are they having for breakfast i don't understand how does this keep happening but remember they are only walking with jesus because jesus told them where to start invited them on the walk then gave them the power to walk. Really, it's not very much to do with them. Or perhaps there's another Christian where they are not doing well. They've made mistakes. They're in sin or whatever has happened in their life. And perhaps you feel a bit superior. So there was a famous uh, pastor just this week in America who um, fell, who just sinned and did stupid stuff and has probably destroyed his marriage uh, and made life very difficult for him and his family and his kids uh, and it's easier in those moments to think i would never do that who that's so silly uh, but actually the same is true for them jesus tells them the start point invites them on the walk gives them power to walk we don't put ourselves above or beneath others and the fascinating thing about walking as we think about this analogy is that there is a beginning, a middle and an end, all right? You might think that's really very obvious. But when we're out with the kids walking and if we're doing a, a particularly long walk, that one thing we say is that there is an end point to this. We're not going to be doing this forever. It's all right. There will be an end. And when we get to the end, it feels good. And sometimes we're flexible with the truth as to how far the end is away, um, especially with long walks with the kids. Um, but we have to live like that. Perhaps we live like we have that blockbuster membership. We're signed up, but it's in a draw. We forget about it. We don't live it. But Paul talks about walking. He says, look, this is a journey. And in a journey, we actually make progress. We get better at walking. You grow in maturity on the walk. Jesus invites us, gets us started, powers us for the walk. But now we are on it he uses it actually to transform us, to transform the world around us. And we get to kind of join with him in this process. So let's just finish with this. How does this walk transform us? Well, Paul really kind of goes for it here. So let's go to verse 16. He says, therefore, let no one pass judgment on you in questions of food and drink, or with regard to festivals or a new moon or a Sabbath. These are a shadow of things to come, but the substance belongs to Christ let no one disqualify you and insisting on ascetism and worship of angels going on in detail about visions puffed up without reason by his sensuous mind not holding fast to the head from whom the whole body nourished and knit together through its joints and ligaments grows with a growth that is from God how does walking in Jesus bring change how is it transforming well Paul is saying look relationship brings righteousness righteousness without relationship is it's gonna to fall to pieces but relationship brings righteousness Jesus is the only way we grow he is warning against this look if you go for righteousness and rules and a before and above relationship with Jesus. Remember, Jesus, God in flesh, if you go for all of this kind of stuff before knowing him, then actually it falls to pieces. And again, easy here to get caught up in the detail of what Paul writes and to kind of really dig into the food and drink stuff and the festivals or New Moons and Sabbath or whatever um, was going on in that church in Colossae at the time. But let's let's think of that the, the headline here was verse 19, which says, From whom the whole body, so that's holding fast to the head, from whom the whole body, nourished and knit together with its joints and ligaments, grows with a growth that is from God. He is talking in quite grand terms here, and he's when he talks about the head, he's talking about Jesus. Remember that we're holding fast to Jesus. But he's saying, look, growth comes from God. Maturity comes from God. Faith comes from God. It doesn't come from all these other things you might get caught up in. Now he is talking as well in kind of corporate terms as well as individuals. So us Westerners, we again, we tend to read this stuff and think it's talking specifically and individually about me. And it is, but really it's right into the whole church. So it's a thing we think about and do together. He says, look, how do you as a church, growing maturity through the whole body. Okay, how does the whole body grow because it is tied to the head? Well, we hold tight to Jesus. Jesus is the only way that we grow. And he is again, warning against righteousness without relationship. And he says that you can get caught up in festivals or what we eat and drink and he means like kind of the performance routine of being a Christian okay you can get caught up in those things about how um, you look how the things that you attend and go to uh, the the way that you behave you can get caught up in those things or you can get caught up in the supernatural so he's saying you can get caught up in kind of the physical um of what you eat and drink and the festivals you go to and what it looks like to others or you can get caught up in the supernatural and think lots about angels or perhaps just waiting for the next really important prophetic word that you'll spend hours taking to pieces and talking about and that becomes really dominating of your life he's saying look without relationship with Jesus all of that stuff is pointless he doesn't say look the festivals don't matter don't bother going Like Sabbath doesn't matter, don't bother doing that. Uh, What you eat and drink doesn't matter, don't worry about it. He's not saying those things. He's saying, look, actually it's about relationship first. And if you do righteousness without Jesus, it becomes pointless, becomes damaging even. He's warning about Christianity being a performance to impress others. He is arguing against that. We go to verse 20 there we'll just do the last few verses and then we'll finish It says if with Christ you died to the elemental spirits of the world why as if you were still alive in the world do you submit to regulations do not handle do not taste do not touch referring to these things that all perish as they are used according to human precepts and teachings these have indeed an appearance of wisdom in promoting self-made religion. And asceticism and severity to the body, but they are of no value in stopping the indulgence of the flesh. Paul is warning us, he's saying, Look, the only way the world changes, the only way that you change, the only way we become holy, the only way we become righteous is by Jesus. He's saying, Look, the self made religion. He said the appearance of wisdom. So other people watching you thinking that you are wise or thinking that you are very Christian and spiritual, those things actually don't help you. Walking with Jesus is not the easy path. It just isn't. It's not the easy route. It's not the simple way. Uh, Jesus himself said in Matthew, look, the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life. And those who find it are few. This is not the simple route to say I follow I believe in Jesus blockbuster card in the draw so it's not that at all this is a walk with him so we're going to finish in a second but I just want you to ask yourself this question and maybe just talk amongst yourselves at other times if you have opportunity to do so but think about this for yourself ask yourself how is my walk with Jesus is it club membership that I never refer to never think about how am I clinging to him? As Paul says, we hold to the head. That's where everything comes from. How am I doing that? And Paul actually, if, as you read this, doesn't say right now what you lot need to do, quiet time every day, okay? Read this amount of Bible every day. Make sure you're at church. Let's talk about tithing. He doesn't do any of that stuff. But the question hangs over them. How is your walk with Jesus? And actually, we have to ask that question of ourselves, honestly, and probably quite frequently, how is my walk with Jesus? And ask it of Jesus as you pray as well. How am I walking? How am I following you? Am I following you? Am I following my own philosophies?